Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Generosity Freak Show. I'm Nathan Hill, and I'm your host for the week. Uh, our regular host, Brady Josephson, is working on booking and recording new interviews this week. We're hoping to share some of those with you really, really soon. Uh, but this week, we're going to listen in to an interview with Josh McQueen from the 2018 Nonprofit Innovation and Optimization Summit. Josh is the founder of McQueen, Mackin & Associates. He's the author of a book called Building Brand Trust, and he has a really keen insight into generational giving patterns, looking at giving between boomers, Gen X, millennials, Generation Z. And during the interview, Josh shares more about these different generations, why they give, and various ways that they participate in philanthropy and giving. It's a live interview, so pardon some of the background noise from the event going on behind, but it's worth the listen, and I think uh, it will give you some new frameworks to think about how these different generations really engage in generosity. I hope you enjoy the interview. Welcome to the Freak Show, here we go It's just another Freak Show, here we go I said welcome to the Freak Show, here we go It's just another Freak Show, here we go Welcome to the Freak Show, here we go It's just another Freak Show, here we go Welcome to the Freak Show, here we go It's just another Freak Show, here we go Hopefully you enjoyed the morning. I'm here with Josh McQueen. Why don't you give us just a little teaser about what you're going to be kind of sharing with us today? Sure. Um, well, nine years ago, we did a study of 5,000 people looking at the different generational giving patterns, why they give, who gives, how much they give, um, whether they volunteer, a lot of things. Um, and it's been a half a generation later, a generation's 18 years, so we had an opportunity to go back and reinvestigate how they're giving. So we had a lot of hypotheses nine years ago about what was happening, um, and you know, nine years ago was right after 2008. It was a time where 15% uh, of all nonprofits failed. Right. Uh, it was a tough time. Yeah. Um, grants from companies were yeah. disappearing um, because they had to make their 5% contribution and they didn't have the money to give to right. nonprofits. And so nonprofits faced a really tough time. Um, since then, there has been a lot of buzz about different generations. Yeah. And, you know, the overall story is all generations are important. It's really not a nonprofit that doesn't speak to any one generation. But the, really the key thing, I think, is to understand that there are differences. Some of them matter a lot. Some of them don't matter as much. Yeah. Uh, and what we hope to do is kind of tease those apart during our presentation. And so when you talk about generational giving, you define generations as kind of like... Boomers. Well, you know, you've heard Generation X, um, the boomers, millennials. There's a generation just born yeah. that hasn't started giving yet, the Z generation, <laughs> which probably won't we be say called Z. Z. In Canada. Ah, yes, Z. yes, yes. Well, I worked in England, so oh, Z is go. a Same very way. common thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so those differences are. Um, uh, a generation is defined as 18 years. So I have two baby boys that uh, just grandsons that were born this year. They happen to be the last Z's or Z's born. <laughs> and I have a nephew who just graduated high school. Yeah. Uh, and so he is the upper end. And you think about the difference between a newborn and a yeah. uh, high school grad ready to go to college at the University of Kentucky next year. <laughs> Huge differences. Yeah. But that's what you're kind of looking at in a generation. Yeah. So I've been fascinated because, I mean, a lot of people are interested primarily in the millennial generation. Right. That's where a lot of, like, the buzz is around. Yeah. And I'm on the upper end of millennial. Right. And I remember hiring a 
staff person who was on the lower end right. and feeling like we are not yeah, in the, the same, same generation language. at That's all. Right. So this, yeah. are there like shades of generation? Oh, within of course. It? Well, we divide each generation into nine-year blocks. Gotcha. Uh, older and younger, because the older ones will have faced a lot different. You know, yeah. 9/11 defined a generation. Right. But if you were 9/11 and watching television, it was different than if you were 9/11 and at school. Right. You know, so the whole uh, generational complex is a continuum. Yeah. Uh, and uh, but if you break it in half, it allows you a little bit more understanding yeah. uh, of what's happening. Uh, and the millennials have been given a lot of buzz, but unfortunately, a lot of the buzz is artificial. Yeah. Uh, if you think about it, every generation's 18 years, every generation turns out to be the same number of people, but a lot of people define millennials to be people under 40. Yeah. Well, that's 25 years. Yeah. And then they compare them to Xers who are between 40 and 50, yeah. which is 10 years. Right. And gee, one's twice as important as the other. <laughs> and so we kind of hold that constant. Yeah. Um, I'm a data nerd, so you're going to see a lot of numbers. <laughs> good, good. Um, but, uh, but I only care about how people use those numbers. Right. You know, the nonprofits we work with um, are doing amazing things, but they need dollars to do that. Yeah. But I love uh, Tim's perspective on thinking about the donor perspective. Yeah. Because so often we forget how good it feels to give. Yeah. And when you think you're taking money from someone, you really think of yourself as a harvester. But a true giver dotes on giving. Yeah. They really get, yeah. you know, a lot of these uh, hormones that Absolutely. we just heard about are delivered when you give. Yeah. Uh, so to understand why people give and to be able to let them give yeah. is a big deal. So that's something interesting too. So why do like a lot of us as fundraisers or many people whose job it is to basically raise money, where does this like we're harvesting your money mindset come from? Because, you know, like I'll talk about, we talk about a lot of like you cannot make someone open up their wallet and just unwillingly Ever. give money. Ever. Like, Ever. So where does this mindset, because I do think it's damaging to our fundraising, how we communicate, oh. how we go about it. But where does it come from? It's because we look at ourselves instead of the other person. You know, you think about you're asked to go across the room and ask someone for a donation. You're at a, you know, a fundraiser, and someone's pointing out that this guy is often given to this charity, and uh, we really need the money, so could you go make an ask? Yeah. And who are you thinking about at that moment? Oftentimes, it's yourself. It's you and the beer. Oh, yeah. you know, to, to, oh, my, I didn't button my shirt, and, yeah, yeah. you know, this thing is just, and I'm, I'm, I'm very... So you're thinking about yourself, right. and you're nervous about that moment. Yeah. And so fundraising can be a terrifying thing. Yeah. Um, but if you think about that person, why has he given to this organization so many times before? Yeah. And your first talk is, I hear that you've re What is it about this organization that has helped your gift? Yeah. Um, you know, what have you gotten back from giving to this organization? Who have you met? Yeah. Who have you helped? Yeah. And as they start talking about that experience, they're ready to give. Yeah. Because they're thinking about themselves. Yeah. You know, I worked in the for-profit segment for so many years, and one of our clients was Hallmark. And what we learned from Hallmark is that the person who gives the card is as important as the person who receives it. Because giving a card gives you a great benefit. Yeah. Giving a gift gives you a great benefit. Yeah. And when you can constantly walk into someone to make an ask yeah. and think about what are they getting from this? Yeah. 
and often it's joy. Yeah. Often it's a feeling of satisfaction. People don't give out a guilt. Yeah. Um, they give because they get something back. Yeah. And if you can give that to them, then suddenly you're the giver, not the taker. Yeah. Yeah, and there's kind of a, a selfish side to giving that a lot of donors, like they won't tell you that's why they give. So they won't say, I give because I, it just makes me so happy. Sometimes they'll maybe say it, but a lot of times it's about the impact, it's about the cause. And so then we don't focus on the fact right. that we're making them happy when really like, it's awesome. It makes them happy. And the value proposition that Tim talks about, which is why should I give to you? So they may get great satisfaction from giving, right? but not necessarily to you. Yeah. And we call that in the work we do, passion points. Passion points? Passion points. Where is your passion? You know, when we do scales, we discover that no one ever gives who gave five out of six. It's only six out of six. Yeah. It's that point of, I'm really excited about this issue. Right, right. This really is important to me. Um, we give to several different nonprofits in Africa. Yeah. And I've been there and I've experienced how the need is real. Yeah. But only the right organization knows how to deliver that need. Yeah. And we support this uh, family called the Muli family, and he saved over, you know, 1,500 kids yeah. from the um, uh, suburbs of Kenya and raised them up to become uh, college-educated folk. Yeah. And, you know, God delivers to him a dream, a message about who he should save, and he goes out the next day, and he sees that person, he brings them in, and he spends, you know, the next 18 years uh, educating them. Wow. And when I give Muli $100, I'm impacting dozens and dozens of kids. Yeah. But if I just gave a local organization $100 in Africa, it might go to the kids yeah. and it might not. Yeah. So part of the, the understanding is where is the passion? Yeah. Who, what kind of organization cares as much about those people yeah. as I do? Yeah. Yeah, and the other part of that value proposition statement that we use is if, if I'm your ideal supporter. Right. And that's key too. Like if your organization works in Africa and this person does not care at all or have any experience with Africa, then the likelihood of them giving to you is quite low. Absolutely. So move on. That's fine. They have their own cause. Like how do you find more people who care about what you do, right? That's right. You know, and we go out and do a lot of acquisition studies where we talk to everybody trying to figure out what are the percent of people who actually are intrigued yeah. and how do I reach them. And, and frankly, eight times out of ten, it's about a message as opposed to a demo de right. demographic. Right. So I'm going to be talking about generations, but within every generation, there are people who have a message that might really make a difference in their lives. Yeah. But you have to understand their context. Right. You know, where are they coming from? Do I give to 12 organizations or do I give to six? Yeah. And the person who gives to six has a much set tougher set of criteria to get. Right. On the other hand, if I'm only giving to six, the chances that I reap will repeat is much higher. Interesting. You know, if right. I gave to 12 this year, am I going to give to the same 12 next year? Probably not. Yeah. And is that in the study where you look at how, how many organizations Absolutely. are they prioritized? Because I've read before that people basically have like a clear number one-ish or like two or three, and then the next ones are pretty replaceable, or maybe in that sense of 12, like a friend asked me for the ride, or I cared about this and gave 50 bucks, but there's only a couple that I like loyal and give to over and over and Well, over that again. is a generational change. The oh, millennials really? are giving to far more organizations evenly. Right. 
um, whereas the uh, boomers have tended to have one or two core organizations right. that they gave to with great degree, and they have been much more loyal to organizations over time. Yeah. So you know, getting a millennial to give year after year, but they are spreading their dollars fairly equally. Yeah. And what's interesting about that because a lot of the argument for millennials is like target them now while they're young and you know the lifetime value because they'll give for years and years and generations like well a that's that's an assumption and it's a pretty wild assumption that they're going to give year over year for the next 40 years or something well the data clearly says they don't right exactly and maybe at some point maybe like family stability and maybe they'll be a little bit more but I think the other thing too is the rise of digital, right? Like you can find any organization, you can go to Charity Navigator, do all this research. Like the discovery side of who to give to, right? In terms of data, but social as well, they just have so many more options to give than any generation before. But if you're reaching to their passion, you know, they do give to their friends. Yeah. Um, and they give to people that they volunteer to. Yeah. So if you get right, right, right. to volunteer, to participate, to do more than just give, yeah. then the chances that you'll have that person for a long time. Right. It's real important. Awesome. And you're going to talk a bit about volunteering as well? Absolutely. Cool. You know, and volunteering is a bigger hurdle than giving, as you probably know. Yeah. Um, volunteering is declining in the U.S., yeah. whereas giving is increasing. Yeah. Um, and so I have a passion for making, helping people feel that they fit into their volunteer slot. What's interesting about this, volunteering has often been linked with giving. Well, volunteers give more money right. than non-volunteers. Right. So if you can get someone to volunteer for your uh, organization, they're much more likely to actually give. Right. So it's a good idea. A lot of people are nervous about asking a volunteer to give. You've already given your time, right. so I'm not going to ask you to give for right. money. But if I care enough to give about right. time, yeah. money is a less of an issue. Yeah. Time in this era is more important than money. Right. And that's why volunteering is declining, because our felt pressures of time are huge. Yeah. Um, and the encouraging thing is millennials are volunteering um, to more organizations, and more of them are volunteering. Yeah. But they're spending less time. Right. And so part of that is that uh, millennials volunteer to lead organizations, lead projects. Yeah. And organizations have a tendency that if you have gray hair, you should lead this right. project. <laughs> right. And the, lead, and the guy with gray hair is saying, you know, I've led a lot of different projects. Yeah. Can I just do something in, in the space? And I'm happy to take instruction. Yeah. And the guy who could lead is not being asked to. Yeah. So making that connection, giving people in your organization an opportunity that they want to fulfill yeah. is not obvious. Yeah. You know, we tend to, in organizations, say, I have a need, will you fill it? Yeah. As opposed to say, it's kind of like donor, right? Yeah. Why do you want to give? Why do you want to volunteer? But more importantly, how do you want to volunteer? Yeah. It's a question not many people are asking. Right. Well, and oftentimes the volunteer opportunities that are presented aren't appealing, to your point. Right. Like, I'd love to volunteer, but do you want me to come in and stuff envelopes for three hours? Like, that's maybe not that appealing to me. Maybe it is, you know, because I want to get away from a computer or something like that. Exactly. But often the tasks are not very leadership-driven and things like that. That's so. right. Well, I'm really excited to hear the full thing on stage. Thanks for taking a little bit of time with nice us to here. Meet you. I always find these analyses of generational differences really fascinating. And there's actually a lot more data that Josh McQueen shared in his full talk at the Neo Summit. So if you want to dig deeper and learn more, you can actually go to neosummit.com. That's N-I-O summit.com. 
click on the 2018 videos link there at the top, and then you can sign up to get free access to hear and watch not just Josh McQueen's full talk, but every single session from the 2018 Neo Summit. We've got a lot more coming your way soon on the podcast, so stay tuned. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode. Thank you again for listening. Hey, this is Brady, and I just want to say thank you for listening to the Generosity Freak Show. If you want to get all future episodes, please be sure to subscribe at generosityfreakshow.com, or you can just search the Generosity Freak Show on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. We'd love to hear from you, so if you have comments, questions, feedback, you can email us at podcast at next after. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, the Generosity Freak Show is produced by Next After, where I work. It- Next After is an online fundraising research lab that works with nonprofits to help them grow their online fundraising. And our mission is to unleash the most generous generation in the history of the world. You can learn more about us and what we're up to and see our latest research at nextafter.com. Lastly, this show would not be possible without my co-host, Tim Kachuriak, and our amazing mixologist and producer, Nathan Hill. So many, many thanks to them. So thank you again for listening, and we will see you next week.